0: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
1: This is a content warning for this episode. There are mentions of harassment and sexual assault. Although no details are given, this is part of a wider discussion. Just thought I'd give you a heads up. Hello and welcome to Modern Myth, uh, the archaeology podcast that tries to look at history and heritage in the past in a different way. Yes, it's been a few months to, since you've heard this wonderful dulcet voice, but that's because, you know, I've been busy and, you know, everybody's busy at this time at the moment. So, I'm trying to get back in the swing of things and but I still want to like upend things and do things a little bit differently. So, the person I'm talking to today um, is, I, I put a call out uh, to a group on Facebook and um, this was one of the people who responded and I'd be really interested to kind of talk through um, the kind of issues that archaeologists face day by day and the kind of groups and organisations that are out there to help them. So I want to welcome Rosie Loftus uh, here to Modern Myth. Hello.
2: Helen.
1: So, you're an assistant supervisor with CFA Archaeology and you're based down in Leeds?
0: Yes, that's right. So,
1: um, I do have to ask, uh, have you found any golden treasure yet? <laughs> no, that's a joke. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I'm quite interested actually, what's, what's going on down in Leeds at the moment? Well, apart um, from obviously things ha- not happening at the moment.
0: So um currently we're working on site on quite a large infrastructure project um in the south of England. So it means we're doing a lot of the way work. Um we're doing our best to keep social distancing going on site. Mm-hmm. So um we're all working separately. We're sitting in separate cabins, separate cars. Um I'm sitting by myself in quite a nice flat at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's kind of just how we're dealing with it, washing our hands every 10 minutes, we've got one of our site assistants cleaning the cabins, um, and just watching diggers.
2: Yeah,
1: no, exactly. I mean, there are there are quite a lot of bits within archaeology, um, commercial archaeology that you actually are social distancing quite a lot anyway. Um, I know that I've seen guides on like having to deal with, you know, living away from home and everything like that. Do you think archaeologists have a unique set of tools with that respect? Is there a little bit of social distancing already going on in archaeology, maybe?
0: Um, I'd say there's definitely a little bit of distancing from friends and family sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit odd actually staying by yourself in accommodation Mm -hmm. because you're usually staying with your colleagues, so that, that feels very strange, but at the same time, you know, if you're down a ditch, you're usually down down the ditch by yourself for, you know, sort of three, four hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's just you on a watching beef, then it can be yourself sitting in the car. So I'd say, I think we're quite good at keeping ourselves entertained by ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: But. But at the same time, it's it's very strange not being able to just kind of walk up to your colleagues and have a chat or make them, a, you know, sort of make a cup of tea or have a cup of tea made for you. Mm-hmm. And it's even little things we're thinking about, like sharing bottles of sun cream because it's quite warm and sunny at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're just not used to doing that. And I think we're used to living communally, but kind of away from our other community the non-archaeological community
1: oh yes them them that do not understand
0: (laughs) they will never understand
1: Uh archaeology does have a habit, however, of despite many people coming from different parts of uh like uh different like subject areas, different parts of the world, archaeology does seem to always bring in very odd characters and uh I, I must say I've I've met quite a few interesting people on site. Um how did how did you uh come into archaeology? What was the kind of what was the pathway there?
0: Okay, um, it was slightly convoluted, actually. So I went on an excavation to a site called um, Wood Hall on a school trip when I was about seven, maybe. And we had a talk in assembly from one of the archaeologists on site before. Yeah, I went to the site and I just fell in love with archaeology. That was it for me. That was what I was going to do. Um, And I was lucky enough to be able to then do an A-level in archaeology, taught by an actual archaeology graduate, Mm -hmm. who had some site experience. Um, I think that man's probably produced more archaeologists than some university courses do. So, um, archaeology in Yorkshire is a fairly small world. And every now and then, someone will say, you're one of Steve's, aren't you? Steve taught you. And you're like, yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I did my degree in ancient history and archaeology at Newcastle and I graduated in 2010, which was right in the heart of the recession. There were absolutely no archaeology jobs at all, Mm -hmm. so I kind of bided my time for a bit, so I worked in retail, I was on the fitting room at TK Maxx for nearly four years. And I also worked as a school librarian and as a care worker for adults with learning difficulties. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that actually really set me up for dealing with some of the odd characters within archaeology. And then I was offered my first job in 2015. was on the circuit for about three years and I've been with my current company for nearly two years now. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it was a bit convoluted and I just hung in there, I hung in there and it took me five years after graduating Mm -hmm. to get my first archaeology job and I was so determined I was going to do it and, you know, I managed.
1: I think, yeah, I think funny enough though that from the people I've spoken to in archaeology, a convoluted path is quite common.
0: Um, Uh, Yes, yeah, so one of my very good friends was a painter and decorator and he he decided later on in life he wanted to be an archaeologist and he went to uni and got a degree and sort of went in that way.
1: I think archaeology is almost vocational in the sense that nobody goes into archaeology for the money, let's let's all be honest. No. (laughs) And... to get into archaeology, there are a lot of barriers, um, really, that people don't really think about. I I do find it kind of concerning. And I think it's, it's, it's getting better now uh, that there are beginnings of plans to make archaeology as a discipline more kind of approachable from different pathways. Uh, I know that, like, I mean, I, I started off, uh, doing chemistry and then, uh, at, for at university. And then I became a archaeology with chemistry, minor major. And, uh, I then did a couple of jobs in archaeology and then I couldn't, I couldn't do the kind of going from one place to another, to another, to another. I just didn't have the infrastructure for that. So I just, uh, decided I had to do a day job and archaeology would be on the side. So for me, you know like hearing that story of you doing all this other stuff and then getting into archaeology like getting your final archaeology job later along the line it's it's very real and i think it's something that a lot of people have to deal with um especially nowadays
0: um yes it is however because we've got some big infrastructure projects coming up it is easier these days to get a job in archaeology than it was
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um you, you know you've you meet people who used to be in the army, you meet people who worked behind the bar of like the local pub for years. Um, like in fact I know someone who was a pub landlady for a little while during the recession. Um, so I think it is getting easier and I think part of it is because um like um there's more information online about how to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, sites like Badger and Fa- um, advertising jobs—that um, wasn't necessarily a resource that I knew about when I graduated university. Um,
1: and I mean, the same thing happened to me when I was uh, at university. I—I um, I must say that like I didn't really interact with. A lot of things outside of university archaeology and then my final year I discovered archaeological twitter and uh yeah well you know I love being on archaeological Twitter; it's great uh but it was it was actually a competition a student competition that I wrote into that was being run by the Scottish group for CIFA that actually got me into the wider world of archaeology so it's it's weird there's no there's no set way of doing it and I think I think that's quite good in some respects, but bad in others, you know.
0: Um, I, I'd actually agree with you. It's good because we do get this amazing diverse range of individuals working in archaeology and they all bring different skills to the table mm-hmm. um and different life um experiences and also there can be incredibly interesting people to work with. Um, However, it does mean because there's no set way into archaeology, it makes me wonder about the skill we actually lose, Mm -hmm. because people don't know how to get an archaeology job. And I think that um, certainly when I was a student, Careers Advice was incredibly poor uh, Mm at university for archaeology, and they actually wanted to talk about transferable skills rather than actually using your degree for you know to do a job that Mm -hmm. you need your degree for Um, and I think as well that a lot of universities aren't necessarily pushing um, field schools as much Mm -hmm. as they should do and there's also a bit of a um, wealth gap as well for students with regards to access to field schools because you find that the wealthier students or say the students who have had support from their families
2: mm-hmm.
0: can um, afford to pay to go on field schools and go for longer. And less wealthy students can't, because usually field schools are self-funded. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge issue because you're getting students who don't have that experience to maybe write about on the CV mm-hmm. or to um, gain those contacts as well um, with people who will help you get your first archaeology job Mm -hmm. and with archaeology it's not necessarily what you know it's who you know and it's kind of as soon as you get your first job in archaeology you're more likely to get your second and your third and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth but it's actually getting in I think it's still still an issue for some people.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. I still count myself lucky my first employer took a chance on me. So, I must say that 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 is that shouldn't be how it's done. But without dwelling too much on it, uh there are there are things that are happening to make thing make the industry better, and I'm quite interested in this segue to talking about <laughs> moi moi how how would you pronounce it (laughs)
0: um so we've started calling it moi and it's a pure coincidence that they're the initials for the group moi is mentoring women archaeology and heritage and it's a facebook group with as of sunday um when i actually checked um it has 934 members So it's a group for women who work in the heritage industry or have connections to the heritage industry to um, have discussions about certain topics, ask for advice, um, and network as well. Mm -hmm. And networking is incredibly important in archaeology. So it basically, the group basically started in um, an Ethiopian restaurant in Wakefield, which for anyone who doesn't know is a city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> city, I've got, to, I've got to stress that we do have a cathedral. <laughs>
1: All right, so you're, you're, you're. <laughs> that little bit of, okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh.
0: Um, so it's a uh, Wakefield's a city in um, West Yorkshire, and the um, four admins um, before we were the admins went out for a meal, and we we all work in archaeology, um, but to very different parts of archaeology. So we've got um, two people who are well. In fact, at the time there were three people who were consultants and myself the lowly lowly digger
2: hmm.
0: and um we just started chatting about as as these things go about the issues facing women in archaeology and why um women are finding it hard to get promoted within archaeology and we think that the major issue is that um because there aren't as many male, female managers as there maybe should be in archaeology, women aren't seeing the female managers, so they're not necessarily aspiring to become managers. Um, so, um, and because we do, don't have these role models, we're not necessarily trying to um, emulate them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, And we're thinking one of the major issues is that actually we need mentors and we need to have contact with people, maybe um, further along the career ladder that we can ask advice for uh, from Um, and um, I mean, I know personally when I first started in field work, because maybe I started a little bit later than some of my colleagues did later in life Mm -hmm. um that i actually felt quite um lonely and a little bit useless um so i went from doing a job that i was quite good at and quite experienced at in retail to starting completely fresh with a completely fresh group of people Mm um i didn't know how to talk to other archaeologists um and i And i felt lonely and i felt like i was being really stupid a lot of the time and actually and i determined that other people shouldn't feel like that Mm -hmm. because everyone feels like that when they first start and i think some people pretend that they don't Mm -hmm. and i think there isn't necessarily that honest conversation that of course, you're not going to be very good at doing this. You're new. Um, so for me, um moi is about kind of encouraging women who are new into archaeology, into staying and not feeling bad about themselves because they can't do something yet mm-hmm. or they don't do such a good job on something because you learn. And as you were saying earlier, because archaeology is incredibly vocational, you don't actually learn um how to do fieldwork at university you learn about the academic side of it mm-hmm. so um your first day and your first week and your first few months on site can be a bit of a shock yeah. to the system yeah
1: mm-hmm. i it's quite interesting um i think it it'd be quite interesting to know about so when that group was started, what was the kind of reaction to that? You know, did you have people say, well, why are you doing this? Like, oh, what was people's reaction uh, when this started? Um, were you one of the first people to help set it up?
0: Yep, so I'm one of the first people to set it up. So the four of us who went for the, this meal out in Wakefield, us four set it up and then we started inviting um, other female archaeologists. We also, with um, the permission of the Badger admins, um, so should we explain what badger is? To oh, yeah. Sorry,
1: talking I, about it. You know what? Like uh, British Archaeology Journal resource, whatever. I don't know. David, sorry. I'm sorry. I keep getting it wrong. I just call it badger. Everybody knows it as badger. But yes, if you want, to, if you got a better description of what badger is, because for me, it's just like the the archaeology place where they have the jobs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's um, quite a good way of um, describing it. So badger is British archaeology jobs and resources, mm-hmm. and it's a website and it's also a Facebook group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the Facebook group, it we share information with each other. So um, we've been so prospects been talking a lot about um, coronavirus and badger. Mm-hmm. Um, Companies are a- advertised for staff on Badger. It's quite a good place to just keep an eye on mm-hmm. because you never know quite what's going on. Um, so we, with um, David Connolly's permission, um, advertised our group on Badger and it basically snowballed. Mm-hmm. And we were there thinking, right, okay, there's maybe going to be 15 women on here and we're just going to kind of, be you know say it's really hard being a woman in archaeology and they'll say yeah it's really hard being a woman in archaeology
2: mm-hmm.
0: Um and then we'd all get a bit bored and go away but it's absolutely snowballed and I think myself and the four other admins who set it up well three other admins who set it up were slightly overwhelmed by it because nowhere did we actually think that the response to it would be this positive positive. Um, and the original idea was to try and match people up, maybe with a mentor. But actually, the groups become the mentor. Does mm-hmm. <laughs> so that make sense? So if you've got a query, you can say you could, you know, you can ask someone, you know, or you can say, "I'm having a really bad day. Um, I had a really nasty meeting with a consultant and a county archaeologist, and I feel like piggy in the middle." Please, can I have some advice about maybe how to keep calm, how to put my point across? And there'll be like twenty odd answers of people giving advice. So I'd say, yeah, just just being positive, really, really positive. We've um, we've had no unpleasant incidents in the two years the group's been running. We've not had to ban anyone. I'd say the only thing that we've had a response we've had that's negative is maybe some men in archaeology saying why don't you let men in and my response is if you want to set up a mentoring group please do mm-hmm. i'll support you mm-hmm. so i'd say that that's the only
2: mm-hmm.
0: kickback mm-hmm. we've had yeah
1: but it's not really a kickback from within the group and um obviously I mean, do you do you think it's do you think the kind of the questions that are being asked now with um all the uh, now that you've hundreds of people in this group, are the questions changing or are the questions actually very much the similar veins? I mean, are you noticing anything patterns wise?
0: Um, I think the questions are staying fairly similar because the questions that are being asked on it and the topics that kind of come up on it are really quite diverse. So we've had everything from I'm having to wear the hard hat for work and I've got lots and lots of hair and it's getting in my eyes. What does everyone else do with the hard hat and the hair? To um I'm going into a meeting with a developer who um keeps on talking over me and is bullying me um how do i deal with this um and we have we even have people i'd say the only thing that i think has changed recently is people are maybe asking for um you know sort of pointers towards maybe academic references mm-hmm. that's the biggest change so someone saying i'm looking for um this this book, here's, um, here's the author, does anyone know how to get hold of a copy? I'd say that, that's the biggest change maybe in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe students finishing up the dissertation and stuff like that and mm-hmm. saying, I really need help finding this source because I know it exists somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. please help.
1: Yeah definitely. yeah definitely no it's interesting you've talked a lot I think about what we would call imposter syndrome talking about like not feeling like able to speak up feeling pretty stupid feeling like you should know how to do these things and that happens to a lot of uh, people and that happens to a lot of people especially at the start of everything um, but actually it's there, there are some other topics that do get talked about that are much are important And uh, I think we need to talk about them as well. Obviously, there was, for any of our listeners who don't know, the Badger, and I let me get the history, correct me on the historical timeline of this, the Respect campaign and the Respect Badges. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Um, So a few years ago, it kind of came out that... um, was actually quite a lot of bullying happening on site. So Badger uh, um, launched the Respect campaign um, and there is actually a Facebook group called Respect um, Women, I I think it's Respect Women, something like that. Um, And it's run by Kat Reese, one of our members and the idea was that if you signed up to the kind of no bullying pledge and bought a badge and wore the badge on site then um you're kind of signing up to not be bullying staff um so that sounded really weak
2: no worries <laughs>
0: um so anyway yeah we work alongside the respect campaign but we're not actually part of it
1: mm-hmm. Ah, okay yes of course but obviously um harassment is something that uh i'm sure comes up quite a lot in discussions what's what sort of form the do does that talk about i mean um how how are people discussing it what what is the discussions normally about
0: so um, that's quite interesting. We don't have an enormous amount of discussions about harassment or not as many as you would actually um, think. Um, so one of our members, um, Danny, for her dissertation, did a survey of field workers in 2019, asking them if they'd experienced sexual um, misconduct at work. Um, 300 people responded Um, out of those um, who were um, in well who answered the survey 14.8 percent of men said that they'd been harassed at work and 33.6 percent of women so um, Danny's dissertation was actually put up for a award with the CBA Mm -hmm. and when she went up on stage to um, collect this um, award, Um, she was actually laughed at by a group of older men in Mm. the audience. And obviously, she left the stage quite distressed and quite tearful, and um, she initially um, kind of told us on our group what had happened, and she'd also tweeted about it. And fortunately and unfortunately, at the same time, the um media got hold of it mm-hmm. and um she was um like basically harassed by journalists for like the best part of a week after this happened and she was contacted by good morning and all sorts of. Yeah, so TV shows and stuff like that, asking her to come on and talk about her experience. Mm. Um, And I think the fact that she had this experience shows with the men laughing at her, and they're still not quite tracked down who it was, Mm -hmm. the CBA. um, Because of that, um, yeah, because of the men laughing, I think it actually proves how vital this research is. Mm -hmm. because it's actually highlighting that harassment is an issue Mm -hmm. and harassment isn't necessarily being taken as seriously as it should be Mm -hmm. by some sectors of the heritage industry. Um, So um, what we did is actually we wanted to focus not necessarily on the harassment, but the fact that she'd actually won an award. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: we massively praised her on the group about winning this award for a dissertation because it is incredible Mm -hmm. you know i've never come across anyone who's actually got an award for their undergraduate dissertation Mm -hmm. before
1: Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth um celebrating definitely
0: absolutely so actually we're trying to boost people's confidence after you know Issues of harassment happened. And the only thing about this study that actually shocked me was the fact that the number of women who were harassed, the percentage was so low. Because I've definitely been harassed on site Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by other archaeologists. And uh, anecdotally, I know actually a lot of women have been harassed on site. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, But maybe they're not necessarily seeing it as harassment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things is that um, harassment uh, is, um, I don't want to phrase this wrongly, but there's a subjective aspect to how people maintain boundaries and how people interact with each other. You know, what what might be, like, there, I know that there are some people who speak vulgar, vulgarly uh, to each other and you know perhaps there are certain situations in which when you have an understanding uh between yourself and somebody else and you know them a long time and you know how they are then you know there are things that you can say to them that you can't say to somebody you don't know and i think the key thing is about having that uh respect um in place for people you don't know so well and not to say that you should be uh harassing people you do know well but I think a lot of the problems come from people just not understanding uh, what the, what the boundaries should be and, and there's the other side of it, is that there doesn't seem to be, uh, like, I feel like there doesn't seem to be a level of uh, consequence to things when they get raised and that's a big problem as well.
0: Yep, I'd absolutely agree with you. So um, my current company, there was an incident and actually it was dealt with very quickly and very professionally. However, definitely with previous employers, um, there has been a bit of a culture of Mm non-reporting. I'd say I think that's a big issue. And when people do report... It's not necessarily been taken as seriously as it should be, so maybe dismissing um, the member of staff who's raised this issue and raised this concern, because maybe they're very young, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's not been witnessed. Mm-hmm. That that can be a bit of an issue as well. Um, not necessarily believing it is as, as serious as it is. Mm-hmm. So I had a. Um, female colleague from a former employer years ago who um, was very badly harassed by a male colleague Mm -hmm. and um, it was being taken very seriously on site by managers on site but not necessarily being taken seriously by more senior management Mm So they were doing their the staff on site were doing the best to keep them separated, making sure they were in separate accommodation, separate parts of site, and stuff like that. Um, but it came to a point where she'd moved sites, and he was going to be moved onto that site she uh, she was on, mm-hmm. and she was in floods of tears about it because she was so scared mm-hmm. that the harassment would continue Mm -hmm. um, on this new site and again the people who were running the site managed to keep them as separate as humanly possible Mm -hmm. but it was the upper management not taking it as seriously as it should have been and across all my professional experience I have to say it is the single worst case of bullying and harassment I have ever seen and I hope to goodness that I never see anything like it Mm -hmm. repeated. I mean, it was just, it was a sustained campaign of bullying and it just wasn't taken seriously. And we think that maybe the reason that it wasn't taken seriously by management was there was a lack of female management at that company at that point.
1: Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't this kind of, almost like this understanding of... But this is a serious thing, and it's not something you can simply brush off.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think maybe um, that's going to start changing, partly with the respect campaign and this um, research that's been done, mm-hmm. um, but also because we're joining the trade union met now more and more archaeologists are joining prospect Mm -hmm. so actually that will give us an independent recourse and an independent means of actually trying to sort this out Um, and actually it will bring in maybe a third party who'd be able to put pressure on the managers who don't take it as seriously as it should be taken um, to actually do something about it. Mm i think another issue is it can be really difficult to prove harassment yeah because it's it can be a bit he said she said they said um and it's really difficult to prove bullying in the workplace because it can be so subtle Mm -hmm. it can be like little things where they're kind of people are trying to undermine your confidence It can be as apparent as pushing someone over. Um, But unless you've got that physical evidence that something's happened, you know, it it can be very tough for managers to maybe get rid of the bully. But also it can be, you know, and the burden of proof is very definitely on the victim as well. So... Um, But I think it is changing and I think it is improving and I think it will improve as well. And I think because of the Respect campaign, it actually brought an awareness to people that this was happening and this is real. And I think it maybe broke a bit of a fantasy we have about archaeology where we think, you know, we're all this kind of, group of bumbling odds and sods that kind of bumble on and uh, and get on with each other and say actually no there is sometimes a bit of an undercurrent
2: yeah
1: no of course no I think that's really and it's something that um, I think for the for for optics reasons and for kind of keeping the veneer of this kind of like what you were saying this kind of idea that oh no everybody in archaeology gets along one big happy family i think there's a lot of people who don't want to stir you know it's not stirring things up it's actually bringing things to light but a lot of people are very worried about that but i think there is something positive about talking and interacting and doing stuff. I mean, um, so the mentoring one uh, in heritage, in archaeology and heritage, or MOA, as I, I, I really like. That's that's so good. I love MOA. Um, what I, I know that you have, you've said to me um, in the original email you sent that you guys are doing weekly... Uh, events could you tell me a little bit more about like the kind of events that you do on the page and what's kind of like what's the future facing kind of vision of moi you know in in the short term
0: um so we do weekly events so um today's wednesday so we do something called um we rock wednesday um which i actually stole from another facebook group so Thank you for for that, the people on that group, I must say. Um, So We Rock Wednesday is where we encourage members, it's a thread where we encourage members to post about maybe the little achievements of the day. So um, my We Rock Wednesday today, because obviously I can't quite, I can't tell our members that I'm recording a podcast till I've actually recorded the podcast. Um, my achievement of today was the sun's shining and I managed to eat a really nice peach mm-hmm. for yeah for my dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, for other people, it can be I finished my PhD thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, it can be I've got out, out of bed today and since we're on lockdown, it can be I've got out of bed today, I've put on my smart pyjamas and I've had a Zoom meeting with mm-hmm. my colleagues and it went really well. Yeah. Um so it's just like little little achievements and it's kind of self-esteem boosting because yeah. you you're seeing yourself doing something well and productive and you're actually seeing other people around you doing something well and productive. Mm-hmm. Productive. Um we also do um self-care Sunday which was started by one of our members completely independently and it's kind of things we're doing to look after ourselves a little bit Uh, what you're doing in that moment to relax so for me before lockdown it was always I'm watching pointless with my granddad Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: um
0: so yeah that was so it's like little things like that, that again, we're doing to look after ourselves. Um, I also, um, when I remember, um, do a segment on a Friday called Old Woman of the Week, mm-hmm. where we I type out a biography of an interesting or inspirational woman. So last week's was Frida Kahlo, and um a few weeks before that i did nelly blythe who um went around the world in 72 days um in the late victorian period and then wrote a book about it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and she's she's a very interesting character and lived quite the life um one of my uh, one of the other admins um amy since um, the lockdown started has been doing Fun Day Fridays where she's been finding like silly little activities to do. Um, so this week one of our other members had drawn these gnomes for people to colour in and Amy emailed people these photos of gnomes and very occasionally now we're getting um, photos of gnomes popping up on our news feed that have been coloured in and that's been quite entertaining Um, we also tried a google hangout on the second friday of lockdown i want to say Mm -hmm. and that was quite nice as well because it was um running for hours and hours and hours and hours and people were just kind of popping in and out and it was really quite nice to put a face and a voice to the names and the Facebook profiles of people you've actually been interacting with for, you know, a couple of years in some cases, but you've never met them. So at one point we had someone up in the Shetland Isles alongside someone from the Isle of Wight on. So, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how far that is kind of Mm -hmm. distance-wise, but you're talking at least a thousand miles, Mm -hmm. just kind of chatting about inconsequential things Mm -hmm. and just keeping each other company a little bit and knowing that actually you're not alone during this lockdown and everyone's kids are running about screaming and um, everyone's dogs deciding to howl in the middle of, um, you know, remote meetings and that, that was all very nice and positive as well. Yeah. So I'd say our goal in the short term is just to keep the group running because it seems to be doing something right. And as admins we don't know quite what that is. And we think it's actually um down to our members just being nice. Yeah. And that sounds really, really, I don't know, kind of superficial, but it's just being nice. Um, and also um, boosting in the long term we quite like to start boosting people's confidences to maybe ask for that promotion mm. and actually start to change from um, the bottom up the issues within archaeology that we're seeing that are facing women.
1: Mm-hmm. If people are interested in kind of finding out more about the mentoring women in arc in archaeology and heritage group, um, it's a Facebook group, uh, it's a Facebook page. Um, is there anything else online that's happening with you? Um,
0: yes, so and I think this is actually one of the most important things that has come out of this group is um, the Seeing Red campaign, um, which campaigns for um, menstrual um, equality, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, within archaeology. So it, it was launched at Tag 2019 um, and it's run by one of our um admins, Amy. So the idea is it's to normalise the idea of periods on site. So um I don't know a single female archaeologist, or let's say archaeologist who menstruates, who hasn't got a period horror story. Um so for me it was I was on a site with no access to toilets and my moon cup was leaking and I had to go over the road and ask other archaeologists if I could use their toilet so I could sort myself out and kind mm-hmm. of maintain a bit of dignity because yeah. I was the only woman on our site and I was thinking this could become a bit of an issue within the next hour or so. I mean, you find that there are, again, this is changing now, but many women in construction don't necessarily have free access to toilets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times these toilets will not actually have soap and sanitary bins um, in them which makes it actually quite hard to maintain uh, menstrual health. Mm-hmm. So, and also, um, it can mean that you're making a choice between, say, changing a pad or a tampon in potentially unsanitary conditions. You hear about women having to, like, crouch behind bushes to change the tampon. Um, to And you're kind of choosing between changing them in unsanitary conditions or bleeding through your clothes. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to other issues such as urinary tract infections. And it can actually lead to lost days of work because you're having to go home, Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: you can't cope, because you're on your period. And that's not right. Mm. So what Amy's done is she's written a badger guide called Seeing Red, which is avail- available to anyone on their website and is available to all employers as well. And um, she recommends that sites have what's called a period first aid kit and that contains a selection of um, pads, tampons, hand sanitizers, like little bags, um, so stuff to actually make our lives a little bit better on site and it, to level out the playing field a little bit. Because mm-hmm. what we're, cause we're not asking for special treatment. We're asking to kind of level out the playing field yeah. so actually we can do our job. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be saying, well, why don't you go to a shop and just buy some pads if there aren't any on, you, don't, you know, you don't have one in your bag. Mm-hmm. And it's because we can be working in the back end of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We can be working five miles from the nearest shop, 10 miles from the nearest shop, and we might not necessarily have access to a site vehicle, and if we have like short vacant dinner times, we might not actually have time to go to the shop to get no. the product to sort ourselves out. Um, so it's actually been taken up by um, fame and Prospect
2: mm-hmm. and
0: obviously Badger as well. So he Fame's the Federation of Archaeological Managers mm-hmm. um, and lots of um, archaeological employers have also um, taken this idea up mm-hmm. um, as well, including my own company. It was actually quite nice to see in the back of one of the vehicles one day just this little bag. Mm -hmm. full of sanitary products, and I was like, yes, go Amy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. go Amy, (laughs) and obviously go CFA as well, Mm. Um, and actually it was really exciting because I got to use it, (laughs) (laughs) and I shouldn't have been excited, but I was. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but it's it's good that that support and that i mean this is the thing is that it just goes to show you that a small grassroots group can affect change uh, in a relatively short timescale um that actually has a legitimate and tangible effect i think that's a very very good positive note to take from it all because that is something that people sometimes say, is like, well, you know, what's actually, what's the point in getting together and talking about these things? Nothing gets done. But actually, that's a great example of when getting together has actually got things done. And I think that is really, really important. Uh, I think the value of collaborating and talking and getting together is definitely undervalued. And I think it's definitely the way, the way forward in archaeology. And I think it's just... It's, it's really, really good. It's a really good example of what can be done.
0: Definitely. Um, yes, and I think as well, it's just people being determined to change it. So people have actually been talking about these issues for years on site, but they've not necessarily had the um, platform and um, to kind of talk about it publicly and um one of the ways we're gonna affect change within archaeology is talking about it and talking about it publicly and loudly yeah
1: definitely definitely that's really good well thank you again for coming on to the show and talking about all these different things they're really really important is there anything um any advice you would give to somebody who's just starting off in archaeology um, in the commercial world, what, what would your bit of advice be to anybody?
0: I'd say keep going. Absolutely um, keep going. Um, uh, jo- and join your trade union. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be the biggest bit of advice I could give them. Um, ask for help. If you're struggling on site, say, I really need help and everyone will feel as useless as you do in the beginning. It just feels like everyone seems really confident and everyone seems really confident on the surface. But I guarantee that everyone on site, from the, fir- the person on their first day to a project manager with 15 years' experience, will feel out of the depth at some point um, in their career and it's how you cope with uh, feeling out of your depth and the best way to cope with that is to ask for help and the best way that kind of people maybe who are looking after people on their first few weeks within archaeology can help these people is actually say yes I felt like this too um yes I struggled with this too this is how I coped with it um, and also tell stories about your successes on site, but also talk about things that didn't go so right to, as well too. Mm-hmm. So my favourite story to tell new staff is the first feature I dug by myself was a gully and it was overcut by 50 centimetres. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's because I didn't ask for help.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Because you... I, I didn't know what a gully was, because I thought yeah. I, w- I was too scared to ask for help. <laughs> and I was too scared to admit I didn't know what I was doing.
1: <sighs> yeah, no, but I, I'm sure a lot of people feel like that, and that's mm. why talking about this settles it for people, because people know that, you know, it's 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 okay not to know, it's okay to ask that's Definitely. really great. all right well thank you very much for coming stopping by and yes uh, if anybody's interested in hearing more about uh, mentoring women in archaeology i'll have all the links and all the information about things we've talked about during this episode in the show notes remember to subscribe to the show and you can also join the archaeology podcast network and help support us in the work we do all the best bye
0: This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.